So good to be together once again, Silver Creek Church family. If you're watching us online, glad to do, have you join us that way. And um, maybe today uh, is your first day here. Uh, I just want to introduce myself. I'm Todd. Would love the chance to meet you if I haven't already. Hey, before we uh, get into our sermon series that we're going to talk about today, I wanted to acknowledge uh, something I think is really important. That's tomorrow is uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And um, here at this church, we actually are, are, I know not everybody has a holiday, but it is a national holiday. We're actually closing our offices, and I think it's a very small thing that we can do. Uh, one thing, out of a lot of things, to honor the legacy of a man who did just amazing things for racial unity in our country. And um, I wanted you to know this, too, that the way Martin Luther King Jr. did it is he did it Jesus' way, which I think is awesome. He didn't come to try to force it on people or with coercion or with violence. But the way Martin Luther King Jr. did is he did it with love. He did it with truth and he did it with peace. And uh, that is really powerful. There's a quote that, one of my favorite quotes by Martin Luther King Jr. is this. It says, uh, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. It's exactly what Jesus came to do. And I want to be a church that follows the lead of a guy like Martin Luther King Jr. In, um, in many ways. I don't know what that looks like, but we should not be a part of the problem. We should be a part of the solution. And so I just want to encourage you with that, challenge you with that. And if you're passionate about being a part of the solution, I'd love to talk more because we don't have time to do too much more today. So uh, we're going to move into our sermon series today, and this whole sermon series has a story that kind of sets the tone for it. And the story is found in the Bible, it's in the Gospels, where Jesus is walking on water out to a boat in the middle of a storm. And it's the story where Jesus calls Peter, one of the disciples, to come out and walk on water with him. It's a wild story. And one of the things I told you last week is that the story, Peter had no business walking on water. We all know that, right? The laws of gravity say there's no chance that Peter could walk on water. But what he did is he simply took his eyes off of himself and he put his eyes on Jesus and he just took a step. He just said, and the rest kind of took care of itself. And uh, I love that story because what I told you, I feel like that is the summary of our church, Silver Creek Church, in our first year in 2022. That what we did is we were a group of just kind of ordinary people who decided we were going to put our eyes on Jesus, take our eyes off of ourselves, and just take a step. And it was amazing to see some of the things that God did in this place and through this place. And here's what I believe. That the same thing that worked in 2022 is the same thing that's going to work in 2023. That's why our series is called Step In, Step Out, Step Up. Step In, Step Out, Step Up. And the whole premise of this series is that this year, just like the graphic shows, you might look out on the horizon and you might do something that maybe you've never done before for Jesus. It might be good for you, it might be good for the church, but it's for Jesus. Something that's not just like, I feel like at church sometimes we're like, let me just take a just take a little step. I'm, I'm, this is the first time I'm like, hey, a huge step. Something that maybe seems impossible. Maybe it's like you have no business doing it. But you do it anyway. But you keep, take your eyes off of yourself and you put your eyes 
on Jesus. Peter had no business walking on water that day, right? But he put his eyes on Jesus, and the rest took care of itself. I was thinking about it later that night when Peter's hanging out with the disciples. I have to imagine that uh, the disciples were like, Peter, what in the world was that, right? How, how did you walk on water? And Peter's going, I have no idea. It had to be Jesus. That's the year, kind of year I want this to be, that at the end of this year, you have kind of a water-walking moment with Jesus where whatever God used you to do or in any way that you took that step, that you would look back and people would like, how in the world did you do that? And you go, I have no idea. It had to be Jesus. That's the kind of year that I want to have. So our series is uh, Step In to Grow. That was last week. Step Out to Share Jesus. That's this week. And Step Up to Serve. That'll be next week. So this week is Step Out to Share. And I have to tell you, this might be one of the more challenging weeks of all three of them. Because uh, sharing Jesus is not an easy thing to do. So... Let's jump in. And I want to read, if you have your Bibles, you can open them to Romans 10, verses 9 to, 4, uh, to 15. I'm going to read it for us, and I'll give you my three words that, that are going to be my three points for today. Here's what it says, Romans 10, starting in verse 9. Because if you confess with, uh, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Greek or Jew, or Jew or Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. That's our passage for this morning. And I have three words that I think are going to be key for you if you are going to step out and have that water-walking moment to share Jesus with someone else. Three words. And here they are. First is conviction, then invitation, and then commission. Conviction, invitation, and commission. Last service, I said it bothered me that I couldn't think of a, another word with a C in the middle for invitation. Um, so people were giving me words afterwards. Don't do that, all right? It's, just, it's not that important. It's not that important. All right. So first is conviction. First is conviction. Let me start off by saying this. Um, unless you are wholeheartedly convinced that something is true, you'll never be willing to share it. You'll never be willing to share something that you are not wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly convinced is true. And we do this all the time with things. Like the other day, uh, I had somebody that told me that um, they convinced me to start taking a tablespoon of elderberry syrup a day because they said, you know, it's really good for you. And the reason they were so convinced is because they've been taking it for a long time and they never got sick. And I'm like, all right, I'll do that, right? This person was convinced that it worked, and so she had to share it with me and with a lot of other people. I think that's the way it works when you really think something is true. And I want to tell you, until you are convinced that something is true, you will never be willing to share it. And that's the way it works with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, 
It's not even that you don't think it's true. It's that until you are convicted that what you have inside of you because of Jesus is the exact thing that everybody needs, you're never going to really share it. And I think that sometimes that's one of the reasons why uh, we don't share. All right, so let me get into this passage. Verse 9 says this, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This uh, verse is kind of the culmination of the first nine chapters of Romans. Right? The first nine chapters of Romans is like this. Paul is making a case, a detailed case, for why everyone in the world needs Jesus. That's what, that's what Romans is. If you've never read Romans 1 through 9, you should take a look at that uh, Romans 1 through 9 because it is a detailed case. One thing I heard this week is that there are law schools that actually use Romans and what Paul says in Romans as an example for students on how to make a case uh, in the court of law because Paul does a very detailed job of making a case. So you should read through Romans because I don't have time to do all of that. But what I want to do is give you three quick points that help, that are vital points in making the case for why everyone needs Jesus. This is, this is straight from Paul in Romans the first one is this, letter A. All people know about God and have rejected him. All people have know, know about God and have rejected him. Romans 1, 19 and 20 says this. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. No one is without excuse when it comes to knowing that God exists. And there's a, there's a few things we know about. Everyone at some point, when they're old enough, they understand that, that God probably exists. They, they get that. They see it in creation. You look around at beautiful things and you go, that's too amazing. There has to be something behind this creation. Right? And we, we think God exists. Uh, when we, in our minds, we know the difference between right or wrong or good or evil, and we go, that had to come from someone. There had to be a moral standard for that. In our hearts, we are looking for meaning all the time. And that's because God has written eternity on our hearts. And so we're always, it's, it's built into us. And uh, if you don't believe me, two weeks ago, Damar Hamlin Right? He's the guy who collapsed from the Buffalo Bills on the field. After he collapsed, everybody believed in God. Right? Everybody did. And, that's a, and that was a good thing, by the way, because what happened is all of a sudden, there was a life or death situation. All of a sudden, they weren't thinking about football. Everybody was thinking about eternity. People were thinking that life is fragile. And all of that is written in our hearts because God has made it plain to us in so many different ways. But here's the, the bad news. The bad news is that we all grow up, we understand about God, but we've all rejected him. We've all, we've all rejected him. He is our creator and he's made us to live under his rule and under his authority and under his power. Remember the original sin of Adam and Eve wasn't that they just ate of the fruit, like, ah, shouldn't have done that. It was that they thought no longer did they want God to be in control of their lives. They wanted to be in control. So they did the only thing God told them not to do. And every single one of us then has rejected God in some way, shape, or form. Uh, that leads me to the second point, letter B, which is our rejection puts us under God's wrath. 
Our rejection puts us under God's wrath. Um, so real quick, whether it's by our words or by our actions, every single one of us knows there's a God, but we've kind of said, hey, um, don't really need you. I'm going to do things my way. And that's what we see. We see that in a toddler who throws a temper tantrum because they don't get their way. I've got a toddler that's or a baby that's turning into a toddler right now, so I'm seeing that live time. We see that in adults, right, who, who are running after power and money and success, thinking that they're in charge of their lives and the master of their own domain. We see it all the time where people are kind of, they, they're rejecting God and doing things their way. And here's what that means, right? God is holy and God is righteous and God is just. And being a just God, he has given consequences for us when we reject God, all the way from the beginning, and the consequences that we'll surely die. What happens is because of our rejection of God and our sin, we come under the wrath of God. And it's, and it's right of him to do that because he is a just God. And that's what's challenging about it. Does that mean, Romans 3 says this, Romans 3.10 says, um, no, none is righteous, no, not one. Not one of us is righteous. We have all fallen short. None of us, it's, it goes on to say, none of us even seek God. We're not interested in him except in these hard moments of life where maybe we start thinking about him. But most of the time, we've just rejected him and done things our way. All right. So telling God who made us, who loves us, we don't need you. And the consequences of that are devastating. Because the consequences are that we have, we, we will be eternally separated from the God who made us forever. Right? That's, the, that's the consequence. That's the wrath of God that is on us because we rejected him. All right? The Bible says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of the penalty of sin is death. It's not just physical death, it's spiritual death, it's separation. That leads me to my last point, which is letter C. God made a way to be saved. God made a way to be saved, which is the really, really good news. The good news is that verse, Romans 6, 23, it doesn't end with death and punishment. It actually ends with a way out. And that's the same way out we preach every single week. But before we get there, one of the things I want you to know is the reason you will be so convicted to share your faith is if you understand who you are and what you are like without Jesus. Right? That it's hopeless. It's empty. It is uh, like you're headed off a cliff at any point. Right? That's what it's like without Jesus. That's, that's what it's like. And so you can't really understand how amazing it is that there's a way out until you understand how horrible it is because we've rejected God. And so what it says in uh, Romans 6.23 is, for the wages of sin is death, but... The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus made a way out. And here's what I want you to know. It's not just that God looked down on us and he had his wrath on us. And he's like, you know what? I think I'm going to just stop putting my wrath on you. Because God is just, he's just and righteous. He has to do what's in his character. So he didn't just stop. He didn't just take away the consequences. What he had to do is he had to put the consequences somewhere. Somebody had to pay 
for our sin. So what God did is he took the consequences off of us and he put the consequences on Jesus. And that's what you see at the death of Jesus, that he lived this perfect sinless life so that he could become the perfect sacrifice in order to pay for our sins on our behalf. And it's a free gift. And now all we have to do is believe that it's true. And then he rose from the dead to, 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 so that we could actually have a new life with him. So back to Romans 10, 9. In our passage, it culminates in this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus gave you a way out. So my question for you today, if you're in here, is uh, have you taken the way out? First, first question. Are you saved? Have you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? Have you, have you believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that he's the way back to God forever? Okay? Maybe if you haven't done that, maybe today's the day that you, you drive that stake and say, this is what I'm going to do today. As we start the new year, I want a relationship with God. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not hard. It's not challenging. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to become a member at this church. You don't have to do a little dance right? You just have to call on Jesus and say, I need you. That's what you need. All right, so uh, my other question and challenge, and this is more of like the point of this sermon, is if you wholeheartedly believe that Jesus is the way back to God, and if he has gotten a hold of your life and you are convicted that without him you're empty and lost and hopeless, then you must share it with others. You have to. Like, you've got to share it. It's as if, right, that you have the cure to the cancer that everyone has. And how horrible would it be to keep that to yourself? You have to share it. Right? You'll never share it, though, unless you're convicted that it is exactly, the thing you have is what every single person in the world needs. All right? So, conviction is first. Second is an invitation. And this is important. This is really important, too. This is kind of the method Verse 14 says this, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? All right? These questions make it very simple and clear that God's method for having more people come to know Jesus and to be saved is us. The method is us. How will they know? How will they believe if they don't hear it? And how are they going to hear it if no one is actually telling them about it? That's exactly what this is saying. And this is true um, all over Scripture. The, the book of Acts is kind of the story of the spread of the church. And every time somebody uh, gets saved in the book of Acts, they place their faith in Jesus, it's always because someone else shared it with them. Every time. And it, for you, if you are a follower of Jesus here today, if you know Christ, it's because someone shared it with you. At least one person shared it with you. If not multiple people at different times. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a neighbor. Maybe it was a coworker, Maybe it was somebody at church or a pastor. But somebody shared it with you. So here's what I want you to do real quick. Think of that person who shared it with you. You know who that is. That person who maybe first shared Jesus with you when you first made that decision. Let me ask you a question. Would you be sitting where you're at today if it wasn't for that person sharing? Right? It's a good question. And I'm not talking about like predestination and free will and I don't, don't let your mind go. But would you? 
would you be sitting here if that person hadn't shared? And let me ask you another question. Is there somebody in your life right now who may never hear about Jesus unless you share it? Like, unless you're compelled to share Somebody who may not be sitting in this room a year from now unless you share the gospel of Jesus with them. I think that's the calling that Jesus places on each of our lives. There's a, Jesus says this in, Rome, in Matthew 9, 37. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. This, um, this is, struck me in a new way this time when I read it. And I was thinking about a friend of mine here at this church named Jason, who's a farmer. And he has a lot of land that he farms. And I was thinking about Jason. He has, during harvest season, Jason grinds. Like, he works really hard. Because he's got to get all of his crops harvested in time for the winter. Otherwise, he loses them. And I was thinking about Jason in this. And I was thinking, Jason's challenge isn't, um, as long as it's rain and, you know, it rains in, in the summer and everything, his challenge isn't having enough crops. His challenge is always going to be having enough time and workers to actually make sure all of the crops are harvested. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. That means the problem, here's, here's kind of the problem. There's there's a lot more people that are actually interested in hearing about Jesus and a lot less people that are actually willing to share. How, how wild? Think about it. Like, the harvest is plentiful. That's what Jesus is saying. Everybody needs it. There's a lot of people out there that, that are ready to hear it. But we're sitting here and we're not willing to share it. That's the, that's the, pro the problem isn't that, like, people don't want to hear it. The problem is we're not willing to share it. Right? Um, all right. This goes on. Romans uh, verse 14. The end of verse 14 says this, and how are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to hear without someone preaching? Now, I want to say this real quick. Whenever it says preaching, everyone's like, oh, no, that's not me then, because I'm not a preacher. I'm not a pastor. And what I want to be clear on is the word preach here is not, is not just for a pastor. It's proclaiming the good news. That's what preaching is. Uh, and it doesn't need to be preachy. There's a difference between preaching and preachy. All right? Preachy is like getting on a soapbox and making people feel lower than you and fe people feel bad about where they're at. What you need to do, and what I think the calling on your life and my life, is simply to invite people to understand what Jesus has done for them. It's not a high-pressured sales pitch. It's not a, you know, getting on a soapbox. It's not trying to force them. It's not trying to make them feel bad about the way they're living. By the way, before Jesus, all of us are living the wrong way. Don't try to do behavior modification with people. Introduce them to Jesus. It's an invitation. And it takes all the pressure off, right? When you invite somebody, all you're doing is inviting them. It's their responsibility to respond if they want to respond. And you will just invite. But here's the thing. They will never respond if you never invite. Right? There's a uh, famous classic quote by Wayne Gretzky, or maybe it was Michael Scott. All right? Uh, you, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. All right? It's funny, but it's true, right? That if we never invite, people are never going to hear. And, uh, and I think that's really important. 
I want to share with you a couple stories because sometimes we think um, only pastors do this sort of thing. You know, but I want you to know there are people in this church that are really passionate about sharing Jesus. Somebody just this week in our church came and told me that they just led their 91-year-old mom to a relationship with God. Unbelievable. And she said, she, you know, because her mom was aging, she was, you know, she, she was inviting her in and sharing the gospel with her, you know, as often as she could. And she finally understood it in a way that she prayed to receive Christ. And she grew up Jewish too, which is a, you know, really difficult kind of change. But really cool story. There's another couple in our church who are really passionate about sharing Jesus with their neighbors. They, they're the kind of couple that feels like wherever God put them in their neighborhood, that it's like that's their mission field. It's not just a nice house and a nice neighborhood. It's a mission field. And so they're really, they share in Christ with their neighbors, and they have a guy in their neighborhood who they had been sharing with and sharing with and inviting him to come to church. And this past summer, the, the guy finally showed up to church. And it's so interesting because they said, we've been praying for this guy for like 20 years. You don't know how big it was that this person came to church and heard the gospel. Uh, invite, don't stop inviting people, but make it an invitation. I think that one of the things that happens with people is we get real nervous that if we invite someone to know Jesus or to hear about it, that it's going to ruin the relationship. But you, the only reason you'll ruin the relationship is if you aren't nice, like you're not inviting an invitation is never very threatening to people. And by the way, if, if you do rub them the wrong way, like Jesus did that all the time with people. It's, it, it does come with the territory at times. All right, that leads me to my last point. So there's conviction, there's invitation, and then finally there's commission. Verse 15 says this, And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. What I think we need to know more than anything is that God's calling on our life as Christians is to be sent out to share Jesus. And uh, one of the ways we know this is because when Jesus had just about to go off, in, he was about to go up into heaven after his time here on earth, he gathered all of his 11 disciples around and he did one thing. He sent them out to share. And notice what, what I want you to notice is that Jesus did not do this. He didn't go, hey guys, get, come on, huddle in. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, when I go, find a church, huddle up together, stay there, sing some songs, you know, and don't go anywhere till I come back. It's a crazy world out there. That's not what he did. Instead, he did what we call the Great Commission. The Great Commission is this. He said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And 11 disciples spread the gospel of Jesus like wildfire. I want you to, to see this, too, because um, Christianity is the only movement where Jesus had 11 guys—it started with 11 people. Jesus sending 11 people out. It spread like wildfire to the point where in 2023, we sit here today because of all the faithful people that took the Great Commission seriously. 
Think of all the people that passed the baton of, of the faith in Jesus on to the next generation and the next generation so that you could still, so that we could still know about it here today. I love it. And I want you to know that if, if it's going to keep going, it's not going to be because it just happens. It's going to be because we share. That's how we found out about it. It's going to be how the other people in our lives found out, find out about Jesus. Um, so the challenge today is that, oh, by the way, that, this is what that means. My primary job as a pastor is not just making sure that we bring everybody into this church and create a really, you know, safe, holy huddle here. I hope it's a safe place. But my job as a, church, as a pastor isn't just to bring anybody in and go, all right, guys, we're, gonna, we're just going to hang out here. Hold on for dear life. It's a crazy world out there. Be careful as you leave. Well, my primary job as a pastor is to have you come in, fill you up with God's word, and help you grow, and then send you out as workers in the harvest field to share Jesus with the people in your lives. That's a huge part of my job as a pastor because that's at the heart of the Great Commission. I didn't make it up. Right? That's the call on our lives. So here's the challenge that I want to give you today as we close. The challenge is simple, but it's hard. And the challenge is this, that you might think of one person in your life maybe one family or one person, and think of a person that you already know, right? if you already know them. And because maybe it's a parent or, a, or maybe it's a family member or maybe it's a, you know, coworker, somebody that you already have relationship with. And if you're in your mind thinking right now, I don't know anybody who's not a Christian, then my first challenge to you is go make a friend with somebody that's not a Christian. You know, find, because we, we need to build relationships. The reason I say this is because, you know that quote, like, people don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care. I really think that relationship means a lot when you're sharing. So, but if you have that person in mind, then I want you to think of that person. And out in the atrium, we actually have a story wall. If you were here last week, we told you about the story wall and what you can write on it. This week, what I want to challenge you to do is to write the first name of that person on the story wall. And as you do that, it's just a sign of commitment that you're committing to pray for them and that you're committing to look for opportunities to invite them in to a life with Jesus. Like that, that's all I want. Just put the first name. You know, don't put their phone number. Don't put their email. All right, just put their Because we as a staff, too, we want to write to them. We want to pray for them. All right, and we're not going to have that up. We probably won't have that up like all year or anything like that. But we want to be praying for those people and for you to look for opportunities that you would simply invite them. Don't get on a soapbox. Just invite. Say things like, hey, I've been thinking about this, and I don't think I've told you about the thing that means the most in my life. Are you open to hearing about it? Yeah. Or... Are you, would you be interested in me telling you how God has changed me? Like, it's so non-threatening when you ask it as a question and when you invite. I've shared with people that haven't, that have rejected my invitation, but it hasn't ruined our relationship. But listen to this. I, I know it's going to be challenging, but I want it to be a water walking moment this year. Take a step out. 
Keep your eyes on Jesus. And at the end of the year, who knows, there might be someone sitting in this room that's on that board, that's here, and you go, I don't know how it happened. I just kept my eyes off of myself and onto Jesus, and the rest took care of itself. All right, let me pray. Father, you are um, such a good God to us because you looked down on us and our sin, and you made a way. You made a way out of your wrath, a way out of condemnation, and a way into a life that is beautiful and filled with grace. And I pray today that uh, if someone doesn't know that life yet, that they might take that step to confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead. I pray that for all of us, we would feel not just like church is now over and our Christian life is over as we leave here, but that we would leave here thinking it's only just begun. Make us workers in this ripe harvest field, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.